It's time for the Believer, Unbeliever, and In-Betweener podcast. Join in on the conversation as three friends discuss socially relevant topics in view of biblical truth, where scripture meets skepticism. Welcome your hosts, Stephanie, Michelle, and Cheryl. Well, hello, guys. Welcome back to our podcast. Um, Today's podcast is going to be about rejection. Um, I know that uh, I struggle with rejection. Uh, A lot of people struggle with rejection. And uh, it's going to be a very educational podcast today. Very excited. It's going to be fun. Um, We're going to have a little quiz uh, to see which one of us are is more rejected, um, (laughs) rejected, but (laughs) But, uh, no, so yeah, welcome back. Welcome to our podcast. Excited to be back. Yeah, it's been a while. It has been a while. We had COVID in our midst. (laughs) I'm a COVID survivor. Yes. Unbelievable. But yeah, so so, should we start the quiz? Well, yeah, we could definitely uh, start with the quiz, but, you know, one question that I just want to kind of put out there is, you know, who gets rejected? And the answer is everybody. Mm. I mean, everybody has experienced rejection, some more than others, but this is something that, you know, everyone has experienced to, to varying degrees. And it's something that if we don't heal through it, you know, it can really impact all areas of our life. But mm. it, it's not, if, if you have a pulse, you've been rejected. <laughs> I yeah, mean, it's just, for sure. yeah, you know, for so sure. I think everyone can not unique to you. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's just, it's just some people can progress through it and other people, it wounds to a degree that it oh, boy, manifests, yeah. you know, a lot of other issues. Yeah. So. For me, it's definitely uh, it, it rejection for me is almost like between life and death. It seems that's how be bad it is when I feel rejected it it is like to the core I feel so much pain and it's just it's and it's hard to recover from it it's um, it's interesting you say that because yeah a lot of studies find that um because of the fact that rejection you know goes way back to mm. you know the beginning of time and and if you were rejected from your tribe mm-hmm. it was a death sentence because you mm. can't survive out there, you know, with just you and a sharp rock, you know, Mm -hmm. it would be a death sentence. So that is one of the reasons why it feels Mm -hmm. like death. Yeah, exactly. And and it definitely stems. Yes. That I know where mine comes from. It definitely stems from my childhood, you know, definitely, you know, I had young parents and they didn't know how to be parents themselves. So I, and I'm, my sister and I 11 months apart. Um, you know, I definitely was an accident, you know, my sister was only two months old, which got my mother got pregnant with me. So I just felt, you know, I know that I was kind of ignored. So growing up too, I felt that way. So I've, I've always felt rejection from my mother and my father. So, but mostly from my mother and, um, you know, since a very, since early, since probably in the womb. um, Yeah. And you bring up a good point. Michelle, because in vitro rejection can occur too. Like where let's say mm-hmm. the mother, um, you know, doesn't really want to have a baby. Doesn't, you know, got pregnant mm-hmm. and really doesn't want it. Um, yeah. you know, in vitro, it, it can even begin that, that early. So, yeah. 
Yeah. So it's definitely, uh, it's, it, rejection has always been, and then being 11 months apart from my sister, we were like twins and it's, you know, it's always been like, why is, you know, there's always jealousy in there too. And I f- it's always looking at what she's getting or receiving. And then I feel rejected because I'm not getting what she's getting, you know? And then I have my younger brother and then I'm watching him get things. I'm not getting it. So I feel rejected. <laughs> so it's like, it's, yeah, covers all aspects. And, and I find it in my life today. I find it with my friends. I find it with, I mean, it's, it's something you, it's like, I have not healed from, you don't outgrow it. Um, I just turned 55 and I'm still struggling with having that rejection mindset. And it's, it's very painful and it doesn't get easier. So yeah. So I, I definitely need uh, to be healed from this. Yeah. I have, um, I can share a list of manifestations of a rejection mindset, if that would be helpful to people too, because sometimes we're more familiar with the manifestation of rejection, not realizing that at the root of that is rejection, if that makes Mm -hmm. sense. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, there's a lot here. I I don't know if I'm going to read every single one, but I'll just kind of read through some, some of the more common ones. So insecurity, Mm-hmm. is a manifestation of rejection of identity issues or a lack of having an identity mm-hmm. performance-based living. That's a big one. You know, um, people with a rejection wound have that tendency to believe yep. that they have to earn love, mm-hmm. um, constant busyness, the inability to like, just relax, but always having to be busy and doing something is a manifestation of rejection. Mm -hmm. Um, let's see, mental illness struggles, Mm -hmm. relational (laughs) walls and masks, Mm -hmm. uh, twisted communication. That's a big one. People with a rejection wound, you'll, you'll, there's uh, filters that communication goes through. So when it says twisted communication, that's what it's referring to. Mm. Uh, relational strife, blaming. So the habit of blaming. Mm -hmm. Um, let's see, always feeling ignored or overlooked. Mm-hmm. I'm checking all this off. <laughs> wow, I, I, I know people who check all these boxes and, mm-hmm. and I just never, I never thought that, like now it seems clear how rejection can totally be the center of all of that. Mm-hmm. I mean, two things I didn't check off. I don't. I, well, I, I have a few more. Do you, do you want me to? Yeah. Again, I'm reading like the more common ones. There, there's, I'm not reading every single one, but a hurt that keeps repeating. Mm-hmm. So if you notice that pattern in your life where you feel like a hurt that keeps repeating, yeah. that is, that's from rejection. Uh, discouragement yeah. or depression. Yeah. Feeling separated from God and oh, or other people. Big time. Right, because that can get projected onto God, like yep. others reject me and so does God, that kind of yep. uh, Rejecting others before you are rejected yourself. Mm. Like pushing people away so you don't have to get hurt. Uh, so they people, don't get a chance to reject you. They don't get a yeah, chance I don't, to reject you. 
That I don't do. I don't do that. <laughs> I do the opposite. I like grab onto people and <laughs> I don't. Excessive <laughs> like, neediness. Yeah, that's one of them. <laughs> uh, Stephanie's I like, grab onto their legs. Excessive neediness. <laughs> that's on the list. Excessive neediness is, uh, is. Yeah. Don't leave me. People pleasing. Yes. The root of rejection on that. Yep. Wow. Um, excessive striving or overworking. Yeah. Perfectionism and excessive oh. need to be validated. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like, wait, who doesn't this describe? <laughs> like everybody has some of these things. Well, I think the word excessive is, is really key there because yeah. it's not it's healthy to have needs. But when yeah. it becomes excessive, I think that's where it crosses that line um mm. the need to be validated i mean it's nice everybody you know enjoys being validated but when it's excessive mm. where if you don't get that validation from others then your self esteem is yeah attacked yeah that's where it becomes like dysfunctional um excessive attention getting so always having to be the center of attention that's rejection mm. if you know people that are like that they have a rejection um hey. interesting is that the envy thing? and jealousy. Envy yeah, and jealousy. I have, I have that envy and jealousy. Yep. All forms of addiction. Yep. That's big. <laughs> That's big. Yeah. Uh, religious legalism. Mm-hmm. That's a big one. So when you see people are like striving to always be like super uber religious, that's mm-hmm. a rejection wound. Mm. Feeling like an outsider. Holding a lot of guilt and shame. Wow. Self pity. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll read one more victim based thinking. Wow. Always being the victim, that's a rejection wound. Was that oh, our quiz? That's not the quiz, no. Oh, because I was going to say, I, I, I think I. I got a hundred percent on this one. <laughs> get the gold star, Michelle. I get the gold star. <laughs> that's horrible. But it's so true. I mean, and I didn't even realize how, how I, I mean, I don't think I'm a perfectionist, or, but I think definitely the people pleasing and the, and the working to, to and for, for the validation, because I'm in training right now. I, I started a new job and um, I'm, I didn't tell you, Cheryl, I'm working customer service. But anyway, um, so I'm training. Yeah, I'm, I'm training all week. And oh my gosh, the pressure I'm putting on myself is insane. <laughs> it's like, I mean, I, I almost like, yesterday, like, I felt like I was going to like faint or something. That's how like my head was pounding. My heart was, I didn't feel good. And it was like, what am I doing? Why am I stressing myself out? So, so much, like I'm putting so much pressure, like they have to like me. I have, you know, like they, and it's not even so much like, I knew I could do the job. It is overwhelming, but it's more like the people, like I want them all to like me. I want, (laughs) I want to impress them. And I want to, you know, like, I feel like if I get a bad customer, it's going to like hurt me. Like I'm going to take it personally. That's not good. I don't want, I don't want to live like that. You know, I want to, I want to be able to just, I don't know, just not have that way of thinking. Anyway. It seems weird that like, it's almost like we feel like that because the opposite seems not that it has to be the opposite, but I feel like that's the way our brains work about it. Because the opposite would be, you know, well, I don't want to walk around not giving a crap about, you know, what people think and what people mm. want. And 
you know, it, it just mm-hmm. sent like the opposite of it sounds bad. So mm-hmm. therefore we strive to please, but, or, you know, or impress, but mm-hmm. it's really an extreme. Yeah. It's an extreme where to the fact where I'm, I actually feel it physically. It's not even so much like a, like a mental thing where I could think it. It's more like I feel it in my body. I feel it like it's affecting my, my, it, the, the stress levels are too high. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's like, like a life and death thing. Like you have to like me. Oh my gosh. It would, it would like kill me if, if they don't, you know, like that I feel. And it's, it's I never not- knew this before, but there, there have been studies where if you take Tylenol for mm. this rejection pain, it actually helps because rejection hits the same parts mm. of the brain and the nervous system as physical pain. Nice. I did take I did take a Tylenol yesterday. I did yeah. take a Tylenol. <laughs> did it, it help? Did, it helped. It um um. It, I mean, it did help a little bit. It, it later, it didn't happen right away. I mean, I took the Tylenol. I waited a little bit, and then I did feel a, a lot better. Like I felt more at ease with what I was doing. So that was good. So I tell you, I was going to quit. <laughs> I was just going to quit. I'm, like, I'm quitting. Can't do it. I'm, I'm not doing this. But then I felt I did start to feel a little bit better. So yeah, I want to take the quiz. I'm excited. <laughs> oh, you want to do the quiz now? Okay. Yeah. I know. All right. Let's I see. need to know if I have rejection issues. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So you guys can both take it. And then maybe our listeners too, as I read it, if they want to take it, you just want to answer yes or no to each question as it relates to you now. Do we so not write like it down? 10 years ago, right? This is like right. right now in your life. Would this be true for you? Now, do we write, write, it, write down? it down? Um, how do you guys want to do it? Do you want to, do you want to just say yes or no out loud? So we can all, yeah. but like, well, do we gonna- need to score or something right no it's not a score it's um it has to do with how many of these you say yes to indicates how much rejection is operating in your life okay we need but we need to know how many yeses no or i'm gonna write down all my yeses yeah if you want to keep track and just see like is it 50 percent a third 100 percent you know (laughs) okay (laughs) so here we go do you struggle with feeling far from god Yes. Is experiencing God's love a struggle? Yes. Do you only feel good if you are doing something productive or achieving something? Yes. Um, I don't know. Actually, that's probably- no, wait, that's not true. I mean, I can feel good if I'm just relaxing, if that's what that mm. means. Yeah, I'm not really sure about that one. Okay. Okay. Do you find yourself trying to please God with your behavior? Yeah. Do no. you feel ignored by friends, family, or leaders? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Do you feel uncomfortable in social settings where you feel you have to put a mask on or that you stumble through interactions? Oh, yes. Big yes. time. That's okay. huge. Do you anticipate rejection when you meet new people? Um, some, uh, you no. know what? I think, I think, I think that's a, it's a, I think it's a maybe. I'm just trying to think because I, I met someone today 
And I'm wondering if I, if I'm doing it subconsciously, I, I don't like, I don't, when I meet somebody new, it's like, I don't really want to, I kind of put up a wall and I don't really want to talk to them, you know? And it's, yeah, that's interesting. Why, okay. Okay. So that's a yes. Okay. Do you feel like if people knew the real you, they oh. would not like you? Yeah. I say yes to that. Do you become easily hurt or offended by other people? Yes, absolutely. No. When someone questions you or disagrees with you, do you become irritated, argumentative, or angry? It depends on who's doing it. If my husband <laughs> does it, if my if it's from my <laughs> husband, I say yes. I will. It's yeah. I do. It's definitely a yes with him. So it really if depends. My parents do it. Yes. If anyone else, right? No. <laughs> I know. Like if anybody like else close to you, they they can be irritating in that way. Yeah, I think I think for people, you know, when you're a people pleaser, oh my gosh, you don't. I mean, you, you get walked all over. So for people, I let them walk over me. I think that's why I get angry when my husband does it because I feel like I'm being walked on. Okay. Do you feel a need to be right in discussions? I would say yeah. Not I mean, anymore. I think so. I I I want to be right. <laughs> Okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. Um, do That's you one thing I'm so proud of now. I do. I do love it when, when if 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 I'm debating with someone else and they're just you know adamant, I'm like, okay, you you can oh. go believe that, <laughs> and it feels so good. <laughs> nice. Not me. I get angry. <laughs> <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> Do you over talk in social settings or tend to not talk at all? So either of the extremes, like you over talk yes. or you shut down and don't talk. Yeah. Over talk. I, I shut down. <laughs> I totally shut down. Do you repeatedly feel compelled to tell other people about your accomplishments? Mm. No, I I find mm. that I under I what's the word? <laughs> like I don't tout it underestimate. enough. Underestimate. Mm. <laughs> like usually yeah, people have to tell me, wow, mm. you did that. And I'm like, what's the big deal? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I say no to that too. Is your worth and value based on how well you do something? Yeah, I would, I would think so. Arr. I know that's not true, but it feels true. Yeah. Okay, let's see. Um, do, uh, do you do things to get attention from other people? Yeah. No. <laughs> I do sometimes. Do you struggle with addictive habits? Yes. Yes. Do you find yourself comparing yourself to other people? Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. Do you find uh, do you find it hard to figure out where you're heading in life? Yes, still am. <laughs> Three more questions, and we're almost done. Mm -hmm. Are you highly driven or performance oriented and achievement motivated? So this is kind of like an overachiever type, highly driven person. 
I don't think I'm highly driven. I think that when I'm, no, I, I'm not. I get overwhelmed when I shut down. <laughs> so no, I'd say no to that. I used to be, but I, I no longer am. So the answer would be no for me as now. Okay. Do you constantly deal with fear in the form of anxiety, stress, or worry? A hundred percent. Yes. No. Yeah, that, that's a big thing for me. That's because I have nothing going on right now. So there's nothing to stress about. Hmm. And last question, does a lot of relationship drama follow you? Um, no, I don't think so. No, because I avoid it now. <laughs> <laughs> See, when okay. you completely isolate yourself, none of these problems occur. <laughs> I have 18 yeses. <laughs> 18 yeses. Okay. Okay. Right. So one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Stephanie, I think you're going to be working with me again. I have half your yeses. <laughs> Stephanie, how, how, many? Many? how many? What? How I many? have not. I have half of Michelle. <laughs> okay. Oh yeah. So, I mean, that's just kind of can show how much rejection is operating in your life. Mm. That, that's really how to use this quiz. Um, what are yours, Stephanie? <laughs> um, you have see. at least one. Come on. <laughs> Peter is mowing the lawn outside. So if you guys hear that in the background, I'm sorry. I'm trying to mute it as often as I can. Um, I would say that some of these I identified with when I was younger, but I think with the work that I've done, mm. I wouldn't really say so much. Um, but I definitely can see where before I understood all of this, where, yeah, rejection was operating. Like, um, do you get hurt easily by other people? You know, mm -hmm. I think that when I was younger and didn't really know who I was, <laughs> didn't know, you know, enough about myself. I took things a little too personally. And so mm -hmm. I would say that like, I became easily hurt. Um, and I identified myself as like a highly sensitive person, but I don't really identify that way anymore. Um, I've mm -hmm. learned how to separate and allow people to have their opinions. And it doesn't necessarily mean that I have to agree with it or take it so personally, you know? Mm -hmm. um, well, that's good. How do you, can you tell the listeners and myself how to do that? How you came to do that? Cause for me, it's like, if like I take, I take everything personally, I'm so easily hurt by people. I am a highly sensitive person and I go right to, like, I don't have great thinking on black and white. So it's like, if, even my husband, I do this with my family members, people who love me, but if they, if they're mad at me for whatever reason, I go right to, they hate me. Like, I don't even, there's no in between. It's like, I go right there. And it's just like, even if, if somebody ignores my phone call or if somebody doesn't call me back, whatever it is, I go right to, they don't like me anymore. That's it. There's something wrong. They hate me. Yeah. And I don't um, like I mean, that. I don't want to live like that. Yeah. I mean, what, I mean, a couple of things helped helped me with that particular um, challenge. 
And it was one to really be able to see what's going on in the situation. I kind of step outside of myself because when, when a person is taking everything personally, then what's happening is they're, they're too self-centered. That that's, what's really going on. It's like, you're too self focused, right? Like you're hyper self-focused. So part of moving beyond that is becoming others focused a little more to balance that out and to be able to see like, what is really going on here? Because most of the time it doesn't have anything to do with you. And if it does, then be willing to see where you're contributing to that and then take responsibility for it. Right. It's kind of like balancing both sides of that rather than interpreting everything that happens as that person's that that person doesn't like me or they're doing that because they're avoiding me or they're doing it because they don't want to be with me. Mm-hmm. It's like most of the time that is not the truth. Most yeah, of the it, time maybe they fell asleep. Fact. Yeah, mm. just knowing that it's a fact, Michelle. Mm. It is a fact that more times than not, you know, I don't know what the exact percentage is, but it doesn't matter. More mm. times than not, it has nothing to do with you. So just mm-hmm. knowing that you know, mm-hmm. people need to do what people do what they do because of their own reasons, not because of you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, is it too late? It's yeah. probably not too late to change no. that way of no, thinking. No, it's never too late. It just yeah. has to do with the way you think. You just have to renew the way you think about it. Right. So- I will say I did use that tool. I, 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 I did do that, actually. There was um, an incident. I can't even really remember the incident, but I remember it really hurt. It, it was like, oh my gosh, it, it just was so painful. And then all of a sudden I said to myself, wait a minute, it's not, oh, it's the doctor, that story with the doctor, the cardiologist, how he snapped at me because I was on the cell phone or something. And, and I took, like, he hates me. Like, oh my gosh, this doctor doesn't like me. Why was he mean to me? Oh my gosh. So then, and it, it bothered me for like a long time. Then finally I, I said to my, I flipped it around and I was like, you know what? It's not me. It's his issue. It's right. he has an exactly. issue. Exactly. He has right. the problem. So yeah, doing that. Right. It's like being able to see like what is really going on here and does that live with me or is that really right. something they're struggling with and it really has nothing to do with me. And like Cheryl right. said, most of the time, um, it doesn't really have anything to do with you. Yeah. And then you can also ask questions. That's the other thing that has helped me is, to, you know, if I am not sure, Right. Because there's going to be times when you're like, I don't really know what's going on here. Well, then ask, say, well, you sound really irritated. Is something upsetting you? Did I say something that hurt you? Like ask. Yeah. And that's hard, though, for me to do, because then it's like, because that that's where the rejection comes in, where I'm afraid of the rejection. (laughs) You don't want to know. (laughs) You know, yeah, you don't. I don't want to know. I'd rather avoid it. Like I, 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 I would run from it. And and then but it's not healthy. I know it's not healthy for me. Um. But yeah, it's like, I don't want to know that. I don't want to know. Cause then if you tell me that you are upset with me, then, oh my gosh, then it's like, it was true. <laughs> okay. Okay. But, but, but see, now here's the other thing you have to realize is a lot of people have a rejection wound. This is a very common wound. So, so the likelihood you're going to interact with someone who has rejection operating in their life is very high, which means even if they say to you, I feel like you, you know, the way you did that. And then whatever, like whatever the example yeah. is that you're afraid to ask because you think they're going to say, well, I have a problem with you because you said yeah. that it still yeah. doesn't mean mm. that they're right because they could be perceiving rejection when rejection is not there. 
<laughs> you understand what I'm saying? It doesn't yeah. mean because they do have a problem with what you said doesn't necessarily mean that maybe they're not misinterpreting something still. But then if that's the case, you can clarify it. That's why like asking questions, you can kind of get a little bit yeah. further into like, well, what's really going on here, right? And so basically always put it on the other person kind of like, really? No, no? It's, not, it's not always doing that. It's just saying that like, if you tend to, if you have a propensity to always interpret everything mm-hmm. that someone says to you as it's my fault, me, what, what did I do wrong? Yeah. And you're oversensitive. Yep. And me. then you may want to balance that in your mind by saying, okay, before I go there, let mm-hmm. me really see the situation for what it is. What, what really happened here? And then if you are not clear, you can ask the other person like, wow, you sound really upset. Did something, did I do something that upset you or is everything okay? Mm -hmm. You know, and if they say, well, like, let me give you an example. I can give you a perfect example. I had a family member who, I have a family member who deals with rejection, who has rejection operating in their life. Mm -hmm. And it was my birthday and I received a whole bunch of cards. And this person this family member sent me a card that I really, really liked so much that I put it on my desk in my office instead of the foyer table that I have in my house where all my other cards were. So when this individual came in the house, they immediately felt rejected by me because they didn't see their card on the table with everyone else's card. So this person avoided me the whole party, didn't talk to me. After the event, took me aside and said, I'm really offended by you because you don't, you have everybody else's card there, but you don't have mine. Mm-hmm. To which I said, well, why don't you come in my room and let me show you in my office where I do have your card because your card was so special. I actually put it where I can see it every day. Mm-hmm. So that was a perfect example of how, instead of coming to me first and saying, Hey Steph, where's my card? Mm-hmm. To which I would have clarified that. And I would have said, Oh, I loved your card so much. It was so special. I wanted to see it every time I booted my computer up. So I put it on my desk. That person was mad at me the entire party, mm-hmm. wouldn't even talk to me, ruined mm-hmm. the whole day for themselves, really. Mm-hmm. And it was all because of a misperception because the filter of rejection was operating mm-hmm. in that person's mm-hmm. life. Yeah. Yeah. Great example. Yep. That is a good example. It's hard. It's hard to, uh, it's, it's really hard to confront somebody though. On that, and you know, know what like, the irony is, is that if you want to please a person, well, if you really did do something, you know, offensive or hurtful, then knowing what it is, is the only way you can correct it. But if you ignore them and, you know, run away from the issue and pretend it didn't happen, you're definitely not going to be able to please them. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. Because kind of like, ironic. Like- right because that family member could have just left and never even Mm -hmm. approached me and then they would have still probably thought I maybe threw their card out or something and never would have been able to realize that actually their card was more special to me right and they would have missed that opportunity yeah they could have held it for years and that's you know a lot of people hold grudges for years and that that oh I love that saying where it's like you drink the poison expecting the other person to die you know it's kind of like you're the one who's suffering they don't have a clue. <laughs> right. Like, you know, you think that they have a clue, but they don't. And uh, yeah, that's, that's good. Yeah. That at least he, he was, he was bold enough to tell you, pull you aside, you know? 
You know, the, the other one that I identified with here in this list was um, uh, having to always feel like you have to accomplish something. Mm. This was something I became aware of um, probably my late twenties. And I began to see that, um, I'm not trying to like put her on blast, but my, my mom had a tendency to, when I was younger, always, she spoke to me in a way where it was like, oh, you, um, you're on the cheerleading squad. That's great. When are you going to be captain? Oh, you got an A. Oh, let's, let's see if we can get that A plus. Right. Mm -hmm. It was always like, whatever I did, that was, that was like, I achieved something instead of saying, wow, that's great. And leaving it at that, it was always followed by, oh, let's see if you can get one more better. Right. Mm -hmm. It wasn't good that I was on the team. I had to be the captain. It wasn't good that I, you know, so it developed what that developed in me was this like, oh, I, I can't be okay with what I have. It has to be one better. Mm -hmm. And so I became very achievement focused and it wasn't until I left my home and lived on my own and then came back home for a holiday did I connect the dot because I was sharing with my mom, like, Oh, I'm interviewing for, for such and such a job. It was at a radio station. And instead of just being excited that I got a call back, right. The conversation immediately went into like, Oh, that's so great. And then if you get the job, maybe they could give you your own radio show and you'd be so great at it and blah, 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 blah. blah. And I'm like, there it is. There it is. (laughs) and I finally clicked that that I have to learn how to be okay with just being okay and that's when I started working on that is like you know what I don't have to be the best I don't have to always one-up everything and um See, and, and listening, listening to that story, I get, I get like jealous and envious because <laughs> like, I get the, I had the opposite. If I was like to say, you know, I'm getting a job at a radio station. My mother would be like, why? Like, what, 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 yeah, like, are they going to use you like, as a mascot? Like, what, why would they give you the job? <laughs> like, that's what she, I would get that. I would get, I like, wanted to say, Stephanie, at least you got it. Oh, great. But I, I got it. <laughs> why would you want to do that? <laughs> I know. I, yeah, I, I got, I get the, everything is, everything growing up for me has been negative, 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 right, you know, it's too. always been. Yeah, it's always been like never like never like a good like good good job. Now in my <laughs> I get it now, you know, now now I seem to get it, but let me tell you it's like even as a child and in growing up, even as an adult, like everything was a knock. Everything like I can't take care of my kids correctly. I could I can't do anything right. It, yeah, it's it's so that's why but it's see, funny. Now, it's like, now I understand that my parents hmm. both live in they've always lived in this bubble of the fear of the unknown, right? Like everything yeah. they don't know anything about is bad and, and fearful. Yeah. So, That's so nice. I've just learned to understand that whatever you talk about that you're doing, 
that they've never heard of or don't know anything about, they're just going to knock it because it makes them feel better, you know, to mm-hmm. not, you know, it kind of justifies where that, why they're not involved with, it. you know, if you, if I go get my master's degree and they don't have one, it's easier for them to be like, oh, education sucks. Mm-hmm. And therefore that's why I'm still a great person. Cause I don't have one. You know, <laughs> right? Or it's I like mean, it's little your accomplishment to bring right. down. If they belittle kind of, me yeah. and bring me down to them, it makes them feel better, and that's you know, that's mm-hmm. how they operate. And so it does just does not offend me anymore. Whereas I used to be like, how could you not be happy about this? <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and you know, look. In my mom's defense, I don't think she intentionally was doing that. Um, I think she right, it's in her totally heart was just trying to motivate me. But, but when I looked back, I was able to see that pattern where it only played out with my mom. Like, you know how you guys said with certain people, it kind of shows up and it, sh- I began to see how on a subconscious level, I, I was looking for my mom to validate me because I always felt I never got the validation because it was never good enough. Right. You see what I mean? So, so that was showing up with my mom. It wasn't showing up with other people. Like I didn't need validation from everybody, but I did notice that I felt hurt when my mom didn't feel, I felt my mom was never satisfied. Like it wasn't, nothing was ever good enough. Like that was the the vibe I was always feeling around her. Like Mm -hmm. I I couldn't just be, uh, how do you say good average, (laughs) right? It's like, I had to be like, you know, I had to have my own TV show or something. It's like, Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah. My father was never impressed. So, and I remember in, you know, as a teenager or in my twenties, just always my my whole memory is just dancing dancing harder dancing harder what about this what about that what if i achieve this that the other thing will this work will this work yeah like that that was right (laughs) i can like that's how it felt with my mom yeah i was like what about yeah 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 and so and eventually you mature enough to to say "I, i don't need to impress you at all you know right yeah. Well, it's nice that you, you, you grew out of that. <laughs> I'm still struggling, but uh, yeah, I still, I still struggle with, with uh, being validated and not knowing who I am and all that feeling like God is far from me. And, you know, I definitely still struggle with all that. So what do you, how do you, how do you, I think you just said it, Michelle. I mean, I think that as a person grows more comfortable with who they are, mm-hmm. then the opinions of others become less necessary mm-hmm. right it's like because then you know who you are you know wh- why you're here you know what you're doing and you're comfortable with that and mm-hmm. if someone disagrees with it or someone doesn't understand it it's not going to throw you into left field right because you're rooted in your and you're grounded in that right. but when that's shaky then it's it it can throw you into left field because if someone doesn't give you that validation then it can really mess you up because it's almost like then we're living for others and we're living to get their validation and meet their needs and their expectations. And then, you know, 
Right. Because again, yeah. it's not about you. If, if, if I have a parent that is never satisfied, well, that's on them. Like that's, that's, on that. that's yeah. an issue they have within themselves that nothing, right. you know, maybe they're depressed or um, unsatisfied with themselves. And therefore anything presented to them is not good. Um, mm-hmm. You know, if you, if they have a problem with um, compliments, right. How do you, if you feel like crap about yourself, it's very hard to compliment someone else. You can't give what you don't have. It's very hard to be yeah. happy for someone else who's achieving something mm-hmm. or looking good, right? Yeah. Right. So if they're not complimenting you, then it's not because you didn't do something good. It's because they feel bad about themselves. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. That's good. And that goes back to Michelle, what we were saying before, that before you just throw it all on you, try to see that other people have wounds that they're carrying as well. And could it be that the reason they're reacting the way they are to you is because you're triggering a wound in them? Mm-hmm. I mean, right. Yeah. I, and that makes you know sense. what a great and, way to um, a great way to remember that is by saying every time you hear the word or, or think the word rejection, immediately turn around and call it projection. Like say that person isn't rejecting me. They are projecting their stuff on me. Mm, That's Mm. great. And I think that helps. Mm. Yeah, that's great. Interesting. Yeah. And then, you know, always balancing that with making sure you're checking in with yourself to say, you know, did I do something that was inappropriate? But Mm -hmm. again, most of the time, that's probably not going to be the case, but sometimes it will be. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's just so hard, you know, because it's it's something that, you know, it's been ingrained in my DNA. I feel like, I feel like it's been something that I've struggled with my whole life and I'm at the age I am now. It's just, it's, even though I I know, and and I, you know, we're talking about it and it's a good reminder, but when I, I still find myself in those situations, it's like, I still find myself um, like stressed out over, you know, disappointing somebody or, you know, having, I don't know, just thinking like, oh, that person hasn't called in a while. I haven't spoke to that person in a while. Maybe it's because of this. I blame me. So I still struggle with that, even though I know, you know, like the tools you're giving me right now, like projection, you know, don't think of rejection, think of projection. It's funny. I don't think of it as rejection. I just feel it as pain, you know, like I feel like, oh, that really hurt. I'm feeling sad. I'm upset. And, but I don't go to, well, maybe it's because I'm rejected, you know, it's just, I don't know how to explain it, but you know what I mean? Like it's, it's, it's just something that happens in my daily life. It's just throughout the day, just something happens. And I'm like, oh, that's wow. And then I, I always default. It's like a default that I go to. And then it's almost like if I don't have that reminder, I got to write it down everywhere maybe that's what I have to do, write it around the house, you know? It might be something you just have to kind of practice over and over. I mean, I've gotten to the point where my default is just assuming people are super busy, right? Oh, my friend hasn't called me because she's juggling three kids and two jobs. And, you know, of course, that's why she hasn't called me. Right. And now it's even COVID. Yeah. (laughs) Now it's like people are sick now. It's like, oh my gosh. It's like, that's a big thing too. People are, and so I know that, I mean, I, I stick, you know, obviously 
my friend was sick with COVID really for a while. <laughs> Thank God she's okay. Right. It's awful not being able to talk to that person, Steph. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, you can always, you know, like with situations like that, you know, you can text somebody and say, hey, thinking of you. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Right. Um, but I think what you're what you're bringing up is you take that personally. Like, well, not if the person's sick. If the person's sick, I don't take it personally because obviously. Oh, OK. Sick. Well, so oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, you gave the example of someone doesn't call you, then then you interpret that as, oh, yeah, yeah, what's yeah. wrong with me? What did I do? Why right. don't they call me? Yeah. Rather than like, wow, what's going on for them? Mm-hmm. Oh, maybe like Cheryl saying, maybe they're busy. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know. And look, the the 10% time that maybe someone's not calling you because they don't want to talk to you because of something mm-hmm. bigger, mm-hmm. then just by asking them, hey, is everything okay? You know, right. texting them, you know, haven't heard from you in a while, is everything okay? Yeah. That's how you're mm-hmm. going to find that out because if they don't really want to speak with you you're going to find that out when you start probing it happened to me it happened to me i i had a friend who when i became a christian didn't want to associate with me because of my faith which was kind of odd but um and they just stopped talking to me right just totally went ghost and i didn't realize that till i sent them a fruit Mm -hmm. basket for um a birthday and then they never thanked me for it wow but but you know what i was thinking what if they never received it what if it got lost in the mail they just never received you know you have tracking and the tracking Uh, oh it was delivered you know so i kind of knew so then i said hey so and so did you get my gift and they were like yeah thanks oh wow cold like really cold and i was like yeah are you okay and that's yeah. kind of how I found out. So my point is, is there are going to be 10% of, 10% of the time where people may not want to talk with you anymore. And it will be about you or because oh, of you. I know, but, but it's funny. It's yeah, it's so true. It's it, my friend. I'm not going to say her name, but my friend, I feel like is not talking to me because of something that I said, even though she said everything was fine, you know, everything, everything is good and everything is so she says, but it's like, I don't, I feel like there's a, there's something there. Like, She's, you know, we doesn't reach out to me. It was my, I, I was going through cancer. I was going through the breast cancer. And it's like, where are you? Like, why aren't you even like, I don't know. It's like, I felt like she was, she was ghost, you know? And, and I was shocked because I thought like we were closer than that. And I thought she would, if, if I was going through something like this, that she would be there for me. Like she would be there, um, but she wasn't. And um, so that, that was very hurtful to me. And, um, well, and then my birthday examples because yeah. with your breast cancer example, yeah, you know, we, you could be dealing with someone who just doesn't know. I mean, I go through this when, when someone yeah. I know is sick, I, I just don't know what to do. I, you know, I don't know what to say. Yeah. I don't know how to be there for you. And then mm-hmm. that can come across as I don't care, mm-hmm. but it could, it, that person could just be struggling with, I don't know what she wants me to do. Right. Mm -hmm. And in Stephanie's example of being Christian and and maybe the friend doesn't want anything to do with that. It's not Stephanie having done something wrong. It's just Stephanie living a life that maybe this person is not, you know, just doesn't relate to and doesn't feel, you know, that, that they have anything in common anymore. And neither person is wrong. 
right? Mm-hmm. It's just, yeah. so in, in both cases, it's neither one of you did something wrong that you have to change. I know, but it just feels it, it, right? But it feels, it feels it. And then I see this person and it's like, ah, oh, it's just so, it's, and I get so, I don't know, every once in a while I'm good. I'm like, all right, maybe, you know, I'm going to trust that she says that everything is okay. But then I always go back to the things that she didn't do. Like, wow, I can't believe there was no, you know, my birthday just came and went and there was like no text saying happy birthday. I was like, wow. It's like, I, I mean, I thought we were closer than that. And it's, it's not, and it's all because of religion. It has, has to do with religion. So anyway, it, but the, the point is, is yeah, I could say, I just have to change my thinking. I just have to change, you know, turn it around. And I did ask her and she said everything was fine, but I still default to the ouch, it hurts. I still default to that. Yeah. And you so. know, the, the other thing I know that has helped me is putting it in the context of that person's not available, right? Where yeah. sometimes people aren't available right. emotionally. They're just not available in terms of time. Maybe they just don't have the time to be available. Um, you know, and it doesn't necessarily mean good or bad. It's just, for me, it's helped to, to frame it as, okay, that person's just not available rather than making it a judgment call on on either side of the fence, just, okay, well, they're busy. They're not available. And I just would need to find someone who's more available in that way, whatever that way is that I need, you know, so maybe- Maybe they're just not available uh, emotionally or, or physically to show up for you. And, and that's okay. Right. It's like, it's kind of like, and then you're able to allow her to be where she's at without getting angry at her mm. and then just move on to someone who is more available. Yeah, that's good. That's a good thing. You know? Good way to think um, of it. Cause I would, you know what I do too? It's like, and this is probably not part of rejection, but I expect it's the expectations. I wouldn't do that. I expect everybody else to <laughs> think the way I think, I guess. You know what I mean? It's like, I wouldn't do that. She was going through. Place to go. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I'm like, if she was going through that, I would be there for her. If, you oh, know, yeah. that, that'll get you in trouble fast. Oh man. Uh, does it get me in trouble? That's, Big that's time. the classic. I'm cold. You should put on a sweater. I mean, you have to <laughs> let other people go through whatever, <laughs> yeah. you know, feel the cold, right? <laughs> like, yeah. It's, it's not about you. Yeah, because everyone has different needs, right? Everybody has different needs. So, and then some of the needs could be excessive needs, which in a minute I can read some examples of those excessive needs that rejection manifests. But so you're, you're seeing that out of the context or out of the framework of what you need, which may not be what someone else needs. So you're projecting that on them saying, oh, well, if I were you, then I would do this. Well, yeah, that might be true, but that's because you're seeing it out of that lens of, because that's what you need. Mm. Right. Yeah. You see what I mean? Yeah. Like, for example, I know, um, and Michelle, you and I, I think have touched on this before, but I know this has showed up in my family too, where gifts, <laughs> I don't know, like, um, the way I give gifts is based on like, I'll give you a gift, whether it's your birthday or not, just because if I think you'll like it and I want to give it, I just give it. Right. Um, and then when it is an event, like 
a birthday or something and I want to get someone a gift, I just get a gift based on what I think would be nice that they might like, not necessarily like, oh, it has to be a certain price or it has to be, you know, or something something you like. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, I've gotten situations with my family where I gave a gift to my grandmother. This is going back years ago and it wasn't good enough. Or let's say one of my family members thought I didn't give a good enough gift because, and I'm like, wow, I think like that's none of your business personally. Like, um, you know, so again, it's, but why did the person perceive it that way? Because it's based on what they're perceiving is good, right? Or what Mm. they see as value, right? To me, giving something from the heart has greater value than like Mm -hmm. what the price tag is. Right. Exactly. Yeah, Where like other that. people may say, well, if, if it's not over a certain price, then it's not valuable. Right. right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, it, and I'm sure we all know someone that, that gives gifts to people that they themselves like, but maybe all the <laughs> right. person they're giving right, right. it to like has no use for it whatsoever. Oh man. <laughs> like, a, like, um, I'm trying to think I like, a, like, like this. A, I'm going to give it to you. Yes. Like a tool set. My husband would buy me a tool set. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's hilarious, Michelle. Yeah. yeah. It's like when a man buys a woman lingerie and she's like, is this for me or is this for you? <laughs> That's like when Peter buys me chocolate for Valentine's Day. I'm like, baby, yeah, right? is this for you? <laughs> but, um... Yeah. That's yeah. Funny. Do you guys want me to share? Um... Yeah. The, sure. Some of the excessive needs. I, I found this really interesting when I read it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we talked about how people with a rejection wound can have an excessive need for something. So here are some examples of those needs. One is the need to feel important, mm. which they call in this book, uh, the, the walking resume. So <laughs> that that's like when you are with someone who they're constantly name dropping or constantly mm, telling you where they went to school and about their job. And it's, it's like, look at mm. me, look at me, look what I did. Look, look what I achieved where yeah. it's excessive. Right. Cause again, there's nothing wrong with saying to someone, Hey, look, I have my master's degree, right. There's nothing excessive about that, but we all know the name droppers, right. We all know those people where it's like, okay, get over it. Right. Enough. Right. <laughs> um, that that so would, many. That's you. It is to the point where I don't. I don't see that in you, Michelle. No. Well, uh, I mean, not so much now. I mean, I do notice there is, yeah, not not so much now. I could tell you some situations where it is, but like for instance, my sister, she's eleven months older than me. I was very shy because I was very insecure. I thought everybody hated me. I thought I wasn't good enough. My sister was popular. She was pretty. Guy, but the boys loved her. They all wanted to be with, you know, be her with her. They wanted, so if they knew who I was, like, oh, I'm Lisa's sister. Then I felt like, oh, okay, they're gonna like me now because I'm Lisa's sister. So it's like I, I felt, I felt like that, like my, not like me, yeah, like that was my identity. I'm Lisa's sister. I'm not Michelle. I'm Lisa's sister, and mm. and I would, and it would be like that even growing up, like who I was with, like, Oh, I'm hanging out with so-and-so today. You know what I mean? Like it's a, it's a name dropping, like who you're with. And I do that now as yeah, an adult. Okay. Yeah, like, that... like, you know, like, like, Oh, I'm hanging out with, with the pastor's wife, you know, it's like, I'm hanging out with, 
you know I mean? look like, at me, look how important I am. Yeah, look how important I am. Look who I'm hanging with. I'm hanging with, you know, like, yeah, I, I do that now. It's like, look who, look who I'm with. And it's, it is, it's, um, yeah, it makes me feel like I am good enough to, to be in your presence because I'm, I'm with somebody who I, I feel is elevated, you know? And that, okay yeah so then that would be the, the the excessive need to feel important yeah yeah okay um the other one is the excessive talker and that is the the need to be heard so when people like over talk we i'm sure we've all we, we all know someone like that um they dominate the conversation mm -hmm. um, that's an excessive need to be heard now, then, uh, is that so? So, the difference between dominating a conversation, but also um, some people excessively talk because they're like, they're like over explaining everything to, to gain that sort of acceptance or validation that they have a good reason or that they, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it, but you know, like if you, if you cancel on someone mm. and you could spend, you know, you could just go into great detail on, on why you're canceling because you don't feel confident mm. enough to just be like, I can't go. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, I think like you're that, always kind of filling those gaps. I think that's like that people pleasing tendency. Yeah. yeah. Or like they never want to let anyone down. So it's yeah. hard to say no. And they feel like they have to over explain. Yeah. yeah. Joe's like that as far as he over talks. Like today, for instance, we had a flea market in our clubhouse. And there was a new couple that we met. It was only just us, really, that showed up. And um, I left Joe there, but holy moly, he was talking, 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 talking. I left, I came back, he was still talking. I was like, oh my God, <laughs> these poor people. Did he take a breath? <laughs> I don't even know. I tell you the truth, I don't even know. All I know is my husband, oh, I, I thought it today. I was like, wow, this guy doesn't stop. <laughs> it's like, take a breath. Let other people talk too. So yeah, I see my husband doing that. He overtalks. So then that, that indicates that he doesn't feel heard. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Um, or is it a constant need to prove? Mm. I guess that's where I'm confused. Well, let me read what it says here. It says, what I learned was that uh, people like this carry a wound in their heart that said, I'm not heard. Anytime that feeling of not being heard was triggered in them, uh, you would see this individual talk more and more, and then at times even get angry. People became very drained and then ultimately would walk away. So when it comes to rejection, I think what these excessive needs are, are showing is that let's say if we take this example, a person who's an over talker, well, what's going to happen eventually if they don't know how to hit that pause button, people are going to go, okay. And they're going to grab gravitate away from that person, or they're not going to want to <laughs> engage that person that much. Sure. And yeah, so what's going to happen, the person's going to feel rejected and they're going to mm. start to go into that mindset. Oh, look, no one really likes me. I'm rejected by everyone. And that's not really mm. what's going on. What's really going on is that they're, excessive need is driving people away yeah yeah and it's true for every single one of these needs is it 
it perpetuates this belief that's not true that nobody likes me or I'm rejected by everyone, which again is not true. It's just that their behavior almost repels people. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's, let's see, one, two, three, four more. Um, the other one is the need to be seen. And the yeah. title for this one is the excessive attention seeker. That was me. <laughs> when I was younger, I was that way. And kind of a little bit now. It's interesting. Uh, let me read this too. This is pretty good. It says, when we live needy, we expect others to love us, especially in the area, areas where we were unfulfilled in our past. The problem is that need is never truly filled. This pattern repeats until the bondage is confronted. Mm. <laughs> the next one is uh, the constant doer. So people who are just busy, 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 busy all the time. The excessive need to be valued. So this mm -hmm. is like, I have to constantly do things and achieve things so that people think I have value. Mm -hmm. Which is dangerous because our value is not based on what we do. It's based on who we are. Yeah. And, and this can show up uh, a lot of times with religion where people like they religion appeals to people like this because they can act out religious duties and that makes them feel valued. Like, look at me. I'm so spiritual. I'm so special. Like, you know, look at how many Hail Marys I can say, or, you know, look at how many, uh, look at how much I can fast, <laughs> you know, like mm -hmm. it's like, like religious works is very appealing to people that have the success of need. Mm. Yeah. And there's two more, uh, the need to be right. This is known as the litigator who knows it all. <laughs> mm -hmm. What else is another one? Uh, yeah, there's one more. No, it's just making me think, uh, you know, I, I know, I know an individual <clears throat> like that. And every time I speak to this person, it's like, um, I find that they have a really hard time hearing an opposing position because they have to always be right. So it's almost like when you're sharing, it's not really a dialogue because at the end of it, they're not really listening to you anyway. <laughs> they don't care. And it's just, yeah, 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 I'm right. Yeah, 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 I'm right. Yeah, 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 I'm right. And uh, it's really frustrating because it feels very one-sided. Like, I don't know if you guys have ever uh, interacted with someone with this need, excessive need. Oh, geez. You, you, you come away with the, it's kind of funny that he titles it the know-it-all because that's kind of in the back of your mind, like what you kind of come away with going like, wow, that person's like, like thinks they know it all, right? Like it, it's, I don't know. I, I mean, like I said, I, I know I have someone in, in my circle that that has this excessive need to be right. And it's, it's very frustrating. It just feels like, like I said, very one-sided, you know, where I find that I have a tendency to just listen and not really contribute because it's like, it's not going to matter, <laughs> you know? Um, I don't know if you guys have any uh, experience with this. I do on a daily basis. And, and this person, <laughs> this person in my life 
would argue space concepts with an astronaut. I mean, this person would just in every situation feels like the expert more so than the actual expert. And it's, and it's just mind boggling. <laughs> yeah. So then that, so then that's the excessive need to be right, which is a rejection, right. which is a rejection. room. <laughs> I mean, it's, it, it's funny how, um, you know, you talk about the, the rejected person never feels heard, but on the same exact, you know, flip side of that coin is, is the rejected person never listens either. I mean, literally never listens because they already know, right? If, so. if, if they have this excessive need, like mm -hmm. it, not everyone that has a rejection wound has all of these. Right. So like, like a person may have one or two, but they usually don't have all five of these, right? Is it five or six of them? Um, so this, the individual you're referring to sounds like definitely has this. And they may have another one too. Um, so yeah, you're right. If someone has this excessive need to be right, and then you're on the receiving end of that, it almost could feel, if I'm understanding you correctly, like you're being rejected because they're not really hearing you. They're not listening. Right. Yeah. <laughs> they can't hear what anyone says because they already know the information. <laughs> yeah. Let me read the, the definition of it. It says litigators often cut others off very quickly in discussions and they don't listen. The only thing that matters is their perspective. They can end up cutting off relationships over very petty arguments. They are often the bullies that we encounter in life. Mm. Okay, and then there's one more. The excessive need for someone else, which, is, which he titles the codependent. Hmm. The excessive need for someone else. That's me. Oh, I like that. <laughs> Excessive need for someone else, period. It sounded like something was going to come after that, and mm. it was a period. That's pretty Yeah, profound. the excessive <laughs> need for someone else, which he titles the codependent. And <laughs> the way he defines it is neediness drives us to look to a person as an emotional source for our well-being. What started mm. as a helpful relationship can move into codependency if one does not deal with the rejection issues of the heart. Codependency is the pattern where we rely upon another person as a source of our sense of identity, love, and happiness. We base our well-being on how they are doing and how they act towards us. They become our compass and source rather than God. Mm. And then it wow. says that, oh, go ahead, Michelle. I was going to say, where did you get, uh, you should tell the audience where you're reading this from. It's oh, I'm really reading good. this from the book called Exposing the Rejection Mindset. Mm. By Mark DeJesus. By right? Mark DeJesus. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, under the codependent, it can show up in a parent-child relationship, a wife-husband relationship, a sp like a spousal relationship, a dating relationship, a friendship, uh, people, uh, it says in church, uh, at work. I mean, it, it, I guess it can show up like in any relationship. So it's not just romantic. Mm -hmm. 
And the other thing here I thought was really helpful is it says the answer to codependency is not independence for that is another problem in itself. Independence sees no need for the help of others in our lives. Rather, the answer is interdependence. Someone who lives interdependent, interdependently knows how to receive and give out in healthy ways. Which I think actually that's a really good point because healthy love is just that. It's giving and receiving in, in a balanced way where it's not all giving, giving, giving or all receiving, 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 but giving and receiving proportionately. Um, mm -hmm. It could be different, Michelle, like going back to what you were saying, how you expect people to give the way you give, that's not proportionate. It's not to say if you give your time, then in order for Cheryl to be a valuable friend, she has to also give you her time. Um, proportionate giving can show up in different ways. Like maybe she can give you uh, something you can't give her, mm. right? So maybe you give time and maybe she gives um, emotional support to you in a way maybe you don't get from anyone else, right? So it's still proportionate because you're still giving and receiving. You're just giving and receiving maybe different things. It can be the right. same thing, but it doesn't have to be the same thing. That it's like sense. knowing the difference between equity and equality. Yes. So it's not that you need... 50-50, it's that you need different things that sum up to the same place. Right. Like someone may give money, other people may give time. They're still giving, they're just giving different things. Right. I'm just trying to think of an example. Let me uh, explain that again. What, 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 Say that one more time. Well, I'm just reading where it says here. Yeah. That it, it's about giving and receiving proportionately. Proportionally, okay. Because what happens is sometimes people are really good at giving, but yeah, they feel really uncomfortable receiving. Yeah, I I I do that. I I love to receive. I really do. I mean, I love a gift. It's from the heart. It doesn't have to be money, and um. But when I, like, I want it, I want it, I want the gift I, because it makes me feel good. It makes me feel wanted and loved. But when I'm getting it, it's, it's such an uncomfortable feeling at first because there's a deep down, I feel like I'm not deserving of it, you know? And it's like, why are you giving that to me type of thing? But yet I really want it. <laughs> it's like, I'm saying no, like, no, but I'm grabbing it. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like, <you> <laughs> yeah. It's like, no, no, no. As I'm yeah, and, that, and it. it can show up, not just in gifts, but like love, affection. Oh, yeah. Compliments, yeah. you know, people. Oh, can't big time. Um, yeah. yeah. It's very difficult for me. But that's um, also like not allowing other people to do what they feel like doing. Like if someone wants to give you a gift, why are you arguing right. with them? Let them yeah, give it to I've you. gotten better. I've gotten right. <laughs> Yeah, I definitely have gotten much better with receiving the gifts because <laughs> I do like I, I enjoy I enjoy giving and I'm horrible with with surprises. I can't wait. Like if I make something for somebody, you know, and I want to give it to them, I just can't wait. It's like, can I show you a picture? Remember, Steph, when I was when I made you your gift, <laughs> it took so long. And I'm so like, cute. can I just show you? Can I show you the picture? 
<laughs> you're like no oh man <laughs> you're like no <laughs> and think about it this way like I always use this example Let, let's say I'm filthy rich and Michelle you're dirt poor now if I buy you an extravagant gift and then you feel like you have to buy me an extravagant gift back yeah there's something yeah. wrong with that and and yeah. now we both bought the same extravagant gift, but who really spent more? It was no sweat off my back because I'm already right. But but well, you probably just Stephanie. put yourself in debt. Right. Like that. <laughs> see, that's what happens with me and Stephanie. Like Stephanie is filthy rich. And what happens is <laughs> I give her, I give her a little, I give her something from my heart. I give her, you know, like that's how like, you know what I mean? Like I feel like I give, I give things from my heart, and I know that. Stephanie or whoever else is giving me gift gives me from their heart, you know, and that that's what I, but I know what you mean. I know what you're saying, but I think, I don't know. I don't really know what point I was trying to like make. It drives me nuts with my mother. <laughs> it drives me nuts if I take my mom to a fancy restaurant and spend the kind of money she would never be caught dead spending. And then the next day she feels like she has to yeah. take me out. And I'm like, no, you don't. I did that as a mm. gift, you know? That's like that, so what is that? That's like that Frasier episode, Cheryl, where <laughs> Daphne... <laughs> Martin a gift and then he feels bad oh, yeah. so he'll give her a gift and then neither one of them want to oh, yeah, it's so funny <laughs> yeah that is funny but yeah that's I, I enjoy I, I enjoy giving and receiving I do enjoy receiving a lot but I <laughs> a lot more but well yeah I mean because a lot of times people will say well what does a healthy relationship look like well there's yeah. a lot of answers to that question but one of the answers is healthy looks like Oh, the ability I gotta, to give and receive uh, proportionately where you're not blocking others from giving to you, oh. but then you're also not just sitting there and not ever giving anything back. All right. Can I give you an example? Tell me yeah. what this is. Tell me. T- oh my gosh. It's the perfect example. <laughs> so the other day, I'm married to my husband now. We've been together since 1988. We've been married a long time, <laughs> together a long time. And he should know me by now. Well, I went to get an upper endoscopy done the other day, and it, I was up since two in the morning, couldn't eat since midnight. I was thirsty. I was hungry. I go to the surgery center. I had to be there for six o'clock in the morning. He took me, which is, thank you. You know, you're my husband. It's great. You took me. And I was, I said to him, Joe, and that's seven o'clock now. I'm like, Joe, when you leave and, and come back, please bring me something to eat. I'm going to be so hungry. I'm hungry. I'm starving right now. I don't care. And I'm not having bread and things like that. Cause I'm, I'm on a diabetic diet. So I said, I, at this point, I'm so hungry. I don't even care if you bring me like a nice bagel with like eggs on it, whatever it is. I was like, I will eat it. Cause I'm so hungry. I asked him to do that for me. I go, I get, I'm all done. He picks me up. I get in the car and I'm like, Hey, would you bring me? You know what he brought me? An un- he opened an open bag of dry almonds that have been, I've been avoiding all week in my house. A bag of almonds. That's what he gave me. I'm like, uh, and I'm like, stale, no less, because the bag has been open over a week. <laughs> and I'm like, what is this? <laughs> I was like, Joe, I was like, seriously, I'm so hungry. You bring me a bag of almonds. I don't want this. So he's like, so then I go, oh my, can you take me somewhere? Can we get something to eat? And he's like, what do you want? I said, you know what? I, I'll go for oatmeal, just plain old. Cause 
my stomach was irritated. I was like, I'll just go for for a nice oatmeal, something that I don't want to go home and make it. Can you take me to like, I said, Starbucks. I go, Starbucks makes a really nice oatmeal. He's like, well, McDonald's is on the way. They have a good oatmeal too. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know. Brings me to McDonald's. It was the worst oatmeal I've ever seen. There was no, it was nothing. Like they didn't even give me the toppings. It was like a, not even a quarter of a cup of oatmeal. It was like a half of a quarter of a cup. It was awful. So I said something. I complained. I said, Joe, do you see this? I go, I was so upset with him. And he was upset with me, said that I was being ungrateful. Could you imagine? So is that like, what is that? Am I, do, did I have the right to feel rejected? Like, I felt like you, like, do you not love me? Like, what, so then I start, he's like, I'm feeling like, cause he had to go to work, but he works for his brother. So I'm saying to myself in my heart, I'm like, really, you're, you're choosing your brother over me. This is where I go. You're, you're choosing everything else. Everybody else is more important than me. You couldn't just like accommodate what I wanted. So what if it's out of the way? I'm your wife. Could you not go out of the way for me? You know, and, I, and that really hurt. I felt so, I felt rejected because I felt like my husband was choosing his brother over my needs. And he was upset with me. I did. I said, I did, but he's like, he, he then, but then he turns it around. He flips it around and he's telling me that I'm being ungrateful. Like I, I like I, I should be lucky that he took me. <laughs> like he should have just, he goes, I should have just went to work and had the kids do this. He, the kids should have drove you. He says to me, I'm like, seriously, I'm like, anyway, so that, that's, that was very, very upsetting. I'm a little stuck on why you settled like you allowed him to tell you it to take you to McDonald's instead of I know why didn't I because exactly why couldn't we just go a little bit extra a little further if you were already late to work it's not like your brother was saying you have to get in here now his brother knew where he was he knew that he was bringing me to get a test and what if it was running late or what have you so what if it was uh, 10 minutes out of the way because that's all it was it was 10 minutes out of the way it was like he just didn't want to do it like he, what kind of rush was he in that he came home for 45 minutes what the heck was he doing that when oh I got to pick up my wife now let me just grab this thing of almonds <laughs> 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 like oh gosh let me just see like that's where my husband he doesn't think he's so like and I always find myself being disappointed. I always find myself, and then, then he flips it around, like I'm being ungrateful. And then I start feeling guilty that I'm ungrateful, like that I blame me. He tells me that I am. Unbelievable. Poor Joe. <laughs> well, yeah. Poor Joe. Wait a minute. Why is it poor no, Joe? No, because here's your, you got this on a podcast. <laughs> recording this right that's okay okay. he knows this he's listening to it and he knows it he knows what he did wrong he knows exactly what he did wrong a bag of almonds like what is that your wife has been starving since the the night before and you you, you're like oh shoot i gotta bring her something oh let me grab this open bag of stale (laughs) almonds she'll enjoy it (laughs) she'll love this you know my, my husband has a saying he goes we do the best we can with what little we have. So <laughs> <laughs> I told he should have just went to Dunkin' Donuts and got me 
I don't even, I told him a bagel with eggs. I would have loved an egg bagel. <laughs> Isn't this the part where we have to manage our expectations? So if, if you <laughs> say he's always forgetful, then, then why expect him to remember to bring you food? Oh, I know. <laughs> I guess it's more like I think of I think of it as romantic. Like I feel like he's not romantic. He's not. He doesn't. He should know me by now. Like I feel like he. That this is the expectations where I would put more effort. Oh, my husband's hungry. He's you know he asked me to bring him food. I would I would like give him a nine course meal for breakfast. That's what I would do. Like I would make it special for him. You know, and that's where I always get upset because I feel like I overdo things. And yet he doesn't do it in return or people don't do it in return, I should say. So Michelle, I mean, taking into consideration what Cheryl just said, that if yeah. you notice this as a pattern, yeah. If, if you were to, let's say, text him when he, when you knew he was on his way, could you have, could you have like texted him and said, just reminding you, can you pick me up a, a, an egg bagel? Would, <laughs> would that have changed it or not? Like, would he have said, oh, okay. And then done it? I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. Or he would have been like, well, let me come and get you and then we'll go get it. But um, <clears throat> but he still took me to McDonald's because it is, you know, McDonald's is closer than um, it was closer than the, uh, the stop. But the goal wasn't what's close. The goal was the meal itself. Need for food. Yeah. <laughs> don't take your eyes off the goal. That's where I get the rejection mindset where I feel that he it puts everybody else in front of me. I, this is how, what I feel. It's like your brother's more important. I know it's his job, but it's his brother. I'm not saying his brother's, you know, you got to take advantage of your brother. No, but his, there was no reason why he couldn't have went 10 minutes out of the way to help me get me something to eat that I would have enjoyed. And that's where I felt rejected, unloved, and that's where my mind goes. So, well, here's yeah, what I've I've sort of come to the conclusion with about this kind of thing. It seems as though rejection, like the one you just described, comes into play mainly because of that feeling of I would have done more for you, right? So it. That's, that's where the imbalance is. Like I would mm. think about if someone's like, I would die for you, right? If, if their mindset was, I would kill myself for you. What could the other person possibly do back that's equal to that, right? So if you have these, I would do anything for you feelings, not everyone feels the same way about other people and you're always going to be disappointed. And maybe what, what would be helpful here is to, is to check in with yourself about how far you would go with people. And maybe you're the one overextending rather than other people not mm -hmm. reaching you. Does that make mm -hmm. sense? Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. But yeah, I guess also like, I, I don't, I wasn't thinking it that way when it was happening. I was just, it was more of, I look at myself, like, you know, I go to, he doesn't love me. That's where I go. Like I go to the me, I don't go to, oh, I would do this. That, that is part of it, but there's more, you know, like that, I think of that as well. So it's not just one thing I think of, it's more like, okay, it's me. 
I go to me. I don't go to, I didn't say like, oh, well, it's him. This is how he is until now. Like I didn't even think to think that way when it was, Mm. this happened until right now. Like, I guess I should have, or I could have said, you know, this is him. I should, uh, you know, like I'm telling you guys, we've been married a long time. He should know me by now. It goes the other way. I should know him. You by should now. know him too. You know, exactly. he's going to forget. Exactly. <laughs> it was not, not that he forgot. I don't think he forgot. I think, or I that think whatever that, you know, that yeah. he's not romantic or he went. Yeah. He's just not the way. Yeah. He does whatever. Right? He's just not, he doesn't think of those things. He, he, I don't even get birthday presents or, you know, presents really anymore from him. Now, this doesn't mean accept the behavior. It just means, yeah. it, it just means understand it is the reality of and him. you're, you're free to approach him and say, these things hurt me. Is there, mm. is there something we can do? You know, is there some mm. other thing we could do? Yeah. And you know what, mm. if you're not, I mean, not to be all, not to be tit for tat, but, but you but you also have to protect yourself, right? So if someone right. isn't going to give you the things that you need, then you have to perhaps check in with yourself with how much do you meet their needs? Because it's hurtful to always meet someone else's needs and they never meet yours, right? So if they never meet yours, then you also have to say, well, then, you know, I need to stop meeting theirs. And, you know, I don't, I'm not saying that's appropriate in a marriage where you just ignore each other. <laughs> well, yeah, and I mean, it, but, I mean, you got to work it out, you know. Yeah, mm-hmm. and this goes back to like you, Michelle, articulating to him what you need and asking for it in a loving mm. way. You know, mm. sometimes people like behave in ways that maybe they don't think is such a big deal, right? But it is a big deal to you, and then when yeah. you make that known to them and say, "Look, I really felt unloved." in this moment because I told you I really needed this and I felt like you didn't provide what I needed and it really hurt me. You know, what, mm-hmm. what, what can we do moving forward? Would it, would it help you if I texted you to remind you, like help me help you kind of thing. Um, yeah, and right. then kind of work together to not let that happen again, rather than mm-hmm. yelling at each other and getting mad, you know, you just kind of, mm-hmm. Hey, look, and like Cheryl said, you know, it doesn't mean excuse the behavior because if you don't stand up, take a stand and say, look, you may think a bag of almonds is okay, but I made it clear I needed more than that. And it really hurt me that you kind of ignored that need that I requested. And Mm -hmm. what can we do next time? You know, figure out where the ball dropped. Yeah. You know, because sometimes maybe, you know, people may forget. And so maybe creating a system together. Mm -hmm. Okay. I'll set a timer. Let's set a timer to remind you, or, Hey, let's, let's write a note to remind you. Mm-hmm. whatever or, uh, let me text you yeah. next time to remind right. you, you yeah. know rather than concluding he doesn't love me right because it's not true that joe doesn't love you so that's right. not the truth but it doesn't mean that he can't do things that make you feel unloved mm-hmm. at times right right um right because yeah. if it falls under the category of of let's say he responded with well I think almonds are fine or, you know, it, it didn't, <laughs> it didn't seem like a big deal to me. Mm-hmm. You know, now, now it becomes, okay, this isn't a forgetful issue. This is an issue of, of he, he determines in his own mind, what he thinks would be appropriate. And that's mm-hmm. disregarding what I asked for. Right. right. But also, right, so yeah. Then, 
Yeah, so yeah. then you can say that to him, say, you know, next time I ask you for something, can you, do you think you can do a better job of getting me what I'm asking for, right? Yeah. And if he says no, then say, okay, why not? And then you could talk about that, you know? Yeah, but I guess just don't, don't like getting back on the, the rejection part of it. So just that would help me then not feel rejected. Like, is that not going to like, well, look, there's going to be times in life where you're going to feel hurt. You can't get through yeah. life, and never feel unloved, never feel hurt. I, I think mm-hmm. it's just, what do you do with it? Right. Yeah. Like if you're going to then conclude he doesn't love me, well, that you don't want to go there that, mm-hmm. you know, you could say, look, I felt hurt by the fact that you ignored what I asked. So now what do we do about it? Right. You move right to the solution rather than living in this, like, oh, you know, he hates me. He doesn't love me. Right. Mm. What are you going to do with that? Yeah. Speaking of what are we going to do with it? It's been over an hour. What should we do? Should we wrap it up? Yeah, definitely. I think think we can definitely wrap it up. Cheryl, did you have anything else you wanted to share? Because I know you said you had some notes. Did did we hit on all the points you wanted? Uh, Yeah, I really... I really think that we we did hit everything. I mean, I, I think the the closing statement I would say about rejection is is to really, you know, even though we we talked about how 90% of the time it's not even about you, but even if 10% of the time it is about you, the best thing you could do is is learn from it and refine your technique for who, where, and when you reach out to somebody, because if they don't give you what you need, you know, you can't change their behavior, of course, but you can refine, you know, you know, am I reaching out to people who are, as Stephanie said, unavailable? Um, You know, Mm -hmm. am I doing this at the wrong time or in the wrong place or, you know, and and refine your technique for for how you reach out to people to, yeah, that's, to that's a great eliminate, point. you know, eliminate that feeling of why are they never there for me? Mm-hmm. Or why does this keep happening? Mm-hmm. That's a really great point. Yeah, I like that. I, I don't good. think I have anything else to, to add. Michelle, do you have any uh, final Yeah, thoughts? I have my final thoughts are, um, Stephanie, you're going to be working with me soon. Okay. <laughs> 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 I need to you know uh, all this, Michelle. You you know all this. You just have to do it. Don't reject me. Are you rejecting me? You don't want to yeah, reject Stephanie. Stephanie, you can't I say no because <laughs> you can't say no. Work with me again, Darren. No. That's not an option. Yeah. <laughs> you gotta work with me. Okay, those are my final thoughts. <laughs> well, Michelle, like since you you know shared that this is something you see in your life, what was, let's say one thing that you really resonated with from our mm. conversation? Like what, what do you think you'll take away? Oh, goodness. Um, um, wow. I, you know, I have to marry, I, you know, there was one thing and I can't think of it right now. Oh my <laughs> gosh. I think, um, what, what I would take away is, um, to not always like put it on me. Like I need to, you know, think about them. Like what are they going through? I think is more something that I think I will take away. I know there's something else too, but I, I have to really just, we did go over a lot today. So um, oh, that's a good to, one. Though. Yeah, yeah. But I think that's, that's something. Yeah, definitely. Cause that, that, I know that that helped me 
you know, before. So I think that that's going to be, um, but that, and also what, what really struck me too was me saying that he should know me, but yet I'm, I, I didn't realize that, wait a minute, I should know him. You know, why am I always flipping it around that it's me? It's about, you know, he should, I should, I, I wouldn't have got hurt if I would have been like, well, you know what, that's just Joe, you know, he's not romantic. He doesn't know how to, you know, do something that would be pleasing to me as far as, you know, me asking him for food. <laughs> it's like, like, why didn't I, I didn't flip it around. I just, it was always, it was just one-sided. It was just all about me. So mm. it's interesting. All right, guys. Yeah. All right. Well, we could say goodbye to everyone and thank you everyone for listening. And yeah. we hope that you all took something away from this as well. Yeah. yeah. All right. Catch us on our next podcast. If you guys have any uh, suggestions, um, you know, definitely send us an email. That would be great. And, um, you know, we'd love to talk about whatever other topic you guys have on your mind. Yep. And the email will be in the description. Yes. All right. All right. Bye, Bye guys. Thanks, everybody.